0: Everybody, and welcome back to episode 110 of the State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Martino Puccio, going solo tonight with a good friend of mine that was introduced by a recurring guest, Roberto Rojas, and that's Elijah Newsom of uh, Newcastle United FC, which is basically the big thing going on. He writes for SB Nation over here in the US. Coming Home Newcastle is the proper title for it. But Elijah, I'm excited to have you here, and I'm sure you've been nothing but excited the past, I don't know how many days now, um, with this takeover. But first and foremost, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Uh, got a nice little evening cup of coffee. Um, and yeah, its it's been exciting. I mean, there's no one on this planet that's probably as excited as the folks across the pond in Newcastle. Um, it seems like it's been never-ending party for for them uh and so it's it's exciting times around newcastle i've never seen our our twitter feed so like engaging um especially with how newcastle started the season it was just doom and gloom Mm -hmm. and then like last week happened and you wouldn't even think that Newcastle are 19th in the Premier League right now. That's not even a thought in people's eyes. Uh, Yeah,
0: definitely never been a happier 19th place club of all time, probably. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, like, it, there's no contest with it. And it's and it's amazing, too, because it just doesn't even go back, Elijah, to what we saw the past week. Because this was a thing a while back. When I say a while back, in COVID terms months ago um, honestly like we saw initially the issues that were coming to to face honestly when this deal was initially supposed to happen and we saw oh there's some backlash with you know potentially ownerships in the league itself not wanting these types of owners in here with PIF the public investment fund and then you know the whole back and forth with the bn sports and and, and that stuff and that got resolved obviously within the past uh few weeks or so and next thing you know they come in they buy a club and it's one of those interesting things where we see PSG get bought out by crazy rich owners um and Arabic owners uh, because that's kind of what the topic of conversation is at this point we see Manchester City do it this is the first real bigger club that we've kind of seen being taken over now like someone is investing in a club that kind of has some rich history they're well known it's not like You know, what Robinho was saying when he first went to Manchester City. I didn't know there was another Manchester club. I thought it was going to Manchester United. Like PSG, they were really nothing. They just had Ronaldinho. And they were also founded in the 70s. Newcastle now, apart from goal, everyone knows about the Toons. They've been well-known for a while now. Ownership troubles, back and forth with managers, um, just pure chaos. It's nothing. It's not boring over there. But now it's a fund investing in a club like this, not for an astronomical amount. It's around 300 million pounds. And we're talking about, I mean, you know the exact figures. Like, what's the number? They're how much richer than the next owners because it's over 300 million or billion, sorry, of worth? It's like
1: 324 billion and like Man City would be the next. And I think they're like in like maybe the low hundreds. If that um, I'm not going to even try to pull the numbers. And I and honestly, I'm wondering where people are getting the $324 billion number from, because I, I think that's just the PIF. Like that's just the Saudi investment fund. Ruben brothers who have a 10% stake in the club. Um, they're like two of the rich. They're like one of the wealthiest families in all of UK as well. They're also billionaires. If they had bought Newcastle by themselves, they'd be like the second or third Richest owners. I think it'd be the third or fourth richest owners in the Premier League. So it's, it, there's a lot of money being thrown around. Um, and I, it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I mean, by and large, Newcastle are, are now the wealthiest football team in, in all, in, in the entire world. And it's, how does that feel to say that? like it, it doesn't feel real. Uh it feels like I'm I'm doing a financial takeover uh in FIFA like back when that was the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now you can just do it yourself, but yeah, like it was it, it it's insane uh to even think about that and it's it's insane because I be- I became a Newcastle fan in the middle of the Ashley era. Um and so I've only seen incompetence. So I can't even <laughs> imagine you know outside of the the stories and former players we talked to things like that. I can't even like fathom the, the the idea of yeah the roller coaster like, yeah like a competent club like doing the bare minimum like just like mm. signing a couple players each window or like investing in facilities like that's stuff that i'm not used to um i'm, I'm used to seeing players like take ice baths and trash cans outside of the training ground like that's what i'm used to so for me that's like the initial shock and i'm still not over is like wow we have competency at the helm Hey, man, listen,
0: you know me. I'm a Mets fan, too. And for for the American listeners, like, that's kind of what happened with Steve Cohen. I mean, the (laughs) confidence hasn't arrived yet, obviously. But just the the sheer kind of knowledge of, like, okay, now we have a damn chance. Forget about Mm -hmm. just even, like, we need to get to point A to point B. At the very worst, you're going to be a West Ham type where you're going to be in the league every year. And here's the thing, though, too obviously morale could be boosted with what's going on you're obviously 19th because the now matters right because nothing is worse than buying a team and first thing you know is you get relegated and and next next thing is like okay yeah we have all this money but now how are we gonna them? You? you're gonna be like hey come here come play for a championship side you could get some very young and and like older guys and toss a ton of money at them if that were to be the case but the important thing to note is that It's October 11th today. You still have a lot of time up until the January transfer market. And then you get to the January transfer market where you pivot yourself into a better situation. And Newcastle could be looking in here like, okay, we could get some really good players in here with some talent and, and add to it because there is some talent in this side. Like Miguel, i is like one of those guys that I, that I respect. He's one of the bigger names and it's not always to say like, it's just him. Right. Because as we know from our friend, Roberto, there's always some backlash when, when a team is playing well, everyone likes to point fingers at at others, but yeah, I mean, like, just, just what are your kind of expectations heading in to the rest of this season? right because that's what matters the most right now because the money's eventually going to get spent that's that's a known thing but the important thing now is to just create the culture to have players come to Newcastle and eventually compete so what what do you think it's going to it's going to take to get like that because it's involving directors it's going to involve managers you know even even youth sides um, training facilities as you mentioned so what kind of timeline do you see happening like what's going to be first and then where do they go from there
1: yeah um and and like you're 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 nail on like there's so much to be done um i mean you know mike ashley you know he's not known he, he didn't do a lot to improve the the state of the club and so we're kind of in a, in a bit of a pickle the, the best thing he did actually was his lack of spending has allowed for there there's not going to be an issue for financial fair play at Newcastle for the next couple of seasons because they've generated a profit pretty much every season since the championship season so they're they're actually bull on that regard and a lot of people you know that are not at all close to Newcastle or follow the team or anything like that just outlets are going around you know making their mock-ups about oh yeah Newcastle uh they'll be trying to they'll they'll this is the potential starting 11 and it's like you know, in January, and it's like they'll have Sterling and Martial and like <laughs> Cardi, and it's like that's that's not at all reality. It's not re, it's not realistic, and um, it's not at all what fans are expecting. Um, yeah. I think fans just want a team that tries and a in an owner that will will back the team. Um, in terms of like next steps, the probably the first step that will occur, um, is is Steve Bruce is is going <laughs> to get the sack. Uh, it's funniest yeah. quote of the week was from him it's like i hope i don't get fired <laughs> yeah it's like yeah I mean, it's really unfortunate because i mean he's a nice guy uh you know in some regards uh he's he was literally set to manage his a thousandth match this week it uh against spurs and uh i mean it's just it, it's really tough to justify keeping him um yeah just it was tough for mike ashley to do it and there was plenty of like, he should have been fired, et cetera, et cetera. And now knowing what we do know now, when people are calling for Steve Bruce's head over the past three weeks, it's like, well, there was a lot of things that were, you know, in motion. So I can understand not wanting to fire a coach in the middle of that. But I mean, Steve Bruce is just sheer luck. has lucked his way into some impressive finishes at at Newcastle. Um, And you talk about players who've started the season off slow and Miguel Mirone is a perfect example I mean, yeah, he's had not the best start to the season, but you're playing a guy whose positions are, you know, either out on the wing or as a cam and they're making him play a box-to-box midfielder role. So I'm not really sure like how you're expected to get best out of him. You're playing him out of position, things like that. Um, He hasn't started a a striker since Callum Wilson uh, got injured. He started, you know, Joel Linton and ASM in sort of a false nine scenario and it, it hasn't worked. So you see this incompetency and that's probably the first step is Steve Bruce gets fired. And then you have Graham Jones take over in Yanrum as a caretaker, um, kind of hope that out of the next four matches, he can pick up a couple of points, maybe a, a winner. So um, you've got winnable matches coming up mm-hmm. and he's a, he's a guy who's well-respected by the players, uh, you know, gets credited for Newcastle's turnaround last season as when he came in, Newcastle changed formation, looked competent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, did so well that he was an assistant, um, on the England national team this past summer and previously was on the, the staff in Belgium. Um, and so again, a guy who's well-respected, but that's a short-term thing. Uh, and then probably the next step is is to hire a sporting director. Um, there's a lot of names being thrown out there. Uh, Ralph Rognick and uh, Entero Inter- Enrique. Those are the, the two uh, names that mm. have kind of been floated out the most. Um, both guys who have come into clubs uh, with, Rognick, of course, being at RB Leipzig and really being a part of their transformation to what I mean, they he, are ran, now. he
0: was he was running most of the Red Bull clubs at one point,
1: like no, yeah. Salzburg yeah.
0: and everything, even over here to the states in New York. I mean, he was really close to joining Milan, uh, yeah, during during the COVID pandemic, and they went the other direction. The interesting thing about a guy like that, though, is that he kind of invests in in younger players. It's not yeah. like hey, we're we're dropping 50 million. Like he was even someone that he was at odds with management, was because he was opposed to getting someone like a Simone Kier, who's in mm-hmm. his 30s, opposed to getting Ibrahimovic and, and just like, hey, we're going full in with this youth. I manage for a year or two, which is kind of his thing, get things set. I grab my guy, put him in, I stay back and get a director role. But the interesting thing with that, though, was that's the way Red Bull operated. Mm-hmm. These are new owners. If he is actually standing on the table saying, hey, get me throwing a name out there, right? Dominic Sabaslein, for an example, from Leipzig, right? Guy is playing fantastic over there. He can even go in a couple other directions. Like, is Aronson from Salzburg another name, too, to be brought up? You know, you get that American in there and all this. Like, it's – I think it can go in so many directions. My question to you is this, though. He won't come now. Because mm-hmm. it's in the middle of the season, but depending on depending upon or not if you guys do stay up, and there's still a good chance there's so
1: much season left.
0: What Especially are your when
1: when you can invest in January exactly? Like like you have the like I mean I it, I'd be shocked if Newcastle don't bring at least three or four signings into January, regardless of where they are in the table. Um, it's just there are certain areas that just need strengthening overall, and it just like just depth wise, it's just you have to bring in 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 people. And there's a lot of deadwood at the club um at the bottom of I mean, we talk about squad turnover and it's like there's yeah. certain guys who are probably going to be around for the next couple seasons, regardless. You're Alan Say Maxman, you know, you're you're Miguel yeah. Amaron, maybe your Calvin Wilson, those kind of guys. But then there's guys who like Jeff Hendrick who are just around and you're like, what are you why are you here? Uh <laughs> Newcastle have like four center backs that are all like bang on average. And like Jamal sells is the youngest one of them. And he's like 27. Everyone else is like 29, 30. So it's like, there's guys to offload and just replenish and, and improve the talent that way. Um, but I, I, it's tough because it's really hard uh, when you have a takeover occur. Cause as you probably note, note, like a lot of takeovers, any sort of acquisition, you want to do it in the off season so that you have time yeah. to hire a sporting director and, and set your transfer policy and actually make some signings um but you know you can't control you know what what happened here and it happened in the middle of the season and that's what you have to deal with and they kind of got lucky it happened during the international break i mean like they're able to at least do things like you know like meet the 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 team today uh for yeah. the first time uh, and it's like it, you got a match in, in in 6 days and they've met the team today for the first time so it's really tough because Like whoever they bring in a sporting director really does have to like leave their post and start like now because I can't imagine a world where you hire a manager and then a sporting director and if you do the parallel in other sports and you look at other teams and other sports like I I think the Jets did this uh, with Adam Gase you like hire the coach and then the GM and it just doesn't work yeah Um, yeah, and so it's like. It, it that's why I'm always wary when I'm looking at the Newcastle are linked to pretty much any manager under the sun, but I'm like, I think they're going to try to solidify a sporting director going in November and try to get a manager in, you know, before December. And I think it's like, you know, I, I respect guys like Rognick, who's I think he's in Russia right now. Um, yeah. like I, I understand like not wanting to leave your post, but if someone throws enough money at you, um, <laughs> I feel like you're you're fine. If they can afford to buy your contract and and double your salary, people will move. Um, and so there's that. And, and it'd be interesting to see if you bring in a guy like that, like you said, that's youth oriented because it kind of does align with the goals that Amanda Stavely, who's kind of been the spokesperson for the entire group, they've kind of she's kind of outlined this idea of revitalizing the academy, um, mm. go, you know, basically investing in facilities and infrastructure and youth and building something up to eventually compete for Champions League, which, you know, RB Leipzig, you know, people, like you said, with the model um, of, you know, buying young, they still are a competitive team. They still Mm -hmm. are a team where you look at who is a contender every season for Champions League. There's still, you know, a name that's on there. Um, And so, I don't know. I think, like I said, you got to go sporting director and you got to go manager. Um, And I'm curious to see what they do because, I mean, the the two names linked would be – significantly um just they would do a lot for the club and it'd be interesting to see you know where you go at each directing each direction within tarot like it's the same thing psg has a good academy but also like you said it's a different kind of a sporting director a guy who's used to making big money moves mm. and buying players of all ages doesn't matter but will make the big money move um and all that good of st- all that kind of stuff i feel like i didn't answer your question at all though so <laughs> no we'll, we'll no, no 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 The
0: que- the question was going to be which is still it's still difficult i don't think ultimately it was going to happen but they could go down to this route at the start of the summer where a certain someone who is you know a whiner a genius manager antonio conte i think if you give someone like that an unlimited budget which is actually possible yeah um what would he want to do because he does everything his own way you stay out of it let him have control of it because we saw what happened with Inter you mm-hmm. turned Inter around winning their first major title in 10 years and you were giving him the guys that he wanted he said give me Lukaku give me Hakimi I will go win you a trophy and he won them the biggest prize in Italy which was the Scudetto like I think there's that potential but even the points that you raise. It kind of just doesn't make sense because whoever you're buying in January, good chance he's probably not going to like it because he's very specific about the types of players that he wants. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he's never going to come midseason because he's always the type of guy to bitch and moan about not having the preseason <laughs> to start, get his guys into conditioning. And I understand and I respect it, but, you know, you know, if you get paid a certain amount of money, you got to step mm-hmm. up and you got to do your job. I, I think it's way too premature with that because there's a lot of potential failure for someone like that. I think it needs someone that wants time. And also Antonio Conte, notorious for not staying long at jobs. So if you want to build up a project, that's not the guy to go do it. So I always found that like, hey, there is this off chance that this could work, but we do this kind of thing all the time. It's like, yeah, if we, if we get him and we get him comfortable, he'll be happy. There's always something. There's always something yeah. with him, and you kind of just don't want that when you're trying to establish a culture there, which is you know okay, get in get good talent, have an identity, and further progress up if we could get to the conference league next year would be a boost, like something like that, like yeah. you're Europa league it's
1: it'll still be difficult um so yeah, I mean. It, just you brought up a good point about Conte though because I, I think that like that's a name and again the manager names I, I I just try not to pay attention to them because realistically like it's the same thing with with player rumors. the names that are thrown out there are guys that are available so it's like yeah people are just linking Conte to the Newcastle job because he's he's available like it's like that that's yeah. like it there's no actual like rhyme or reason and it's like I can't in good faith trust any rumor about any manager being linked to Newcastle because I don't know who the sporting director is and it's like it like I don't know the direction that the ownership group wants to go with you know what they want to see on the pitch because I mean it's only been three days <laughs> it's like it's been, and they were I mean you three business days you know so it's like it, you know you see I, I think Newcastle's you know, five to six years away, maybe four to five years away from like a Conte type manager who can come in, you know, sell everyone and you're fine with it and all that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think more realistically, um, some of the other names linked to us like that make maybe a little, a little bit more sense. Lucien Favre, he's available. Um, mm. Gerard's a name that's been linked. Lampard's been linked. Brendan Rodgers, maybe. Um, I think that's kind of the route you go initially. Guys who you know they can manage um, guys who are used to projects, guys who have experience with, with younger players, getting the best out of players. I don't think that you see like a massive name uh, get brought in for this initial role because it just it just doesn't make sense. You got to build – there's so much to be done in Newcastle. And I just – I cannot stress it enough. I mean, there's so much to be done in Newcastle that it's like you really do need a solid infrastructure in place. You need a scouting department. Like, we, like I don't even – like Newcastle's scouting department is non-existent at this moment. Like we don't have any of that. And so it's like to, to link yourselves or, or to have the expectation that we're going to get a big name manager um, like a Conte, it's just, it's just unrealistic at this point. And I think, you know, whoever this director is, that'll give us a better idea of the direction Newcastle want to go, but Mm -hmm. at a minimum it's just going to be someone who's available and better than Steve Bruce, which, is a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I was going to say like the bars on the floor with but that one you just you don't have to you don't have to
0: say much more than that. Um yeah, I mean it's it's going to be interesting to see who they can attract. You know, one name that I think that they actually might go for that's kind of been in the rumor mill lately is Oxlade Chamberlain. I could see something like that happening. Hey, he's kind of a relatively big name. Um he has injury history obviously and that's probably why he's on the way out with Liverpool. Um and you know, he has some upside still. I feel like it's going to be stuff like that. I even see the Aaron Ramsey thing. I I I find that to be definite possibility, but again those wages are so ridiculous that he's really not he's really not worth it and 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 you're going to have to bargain with Juventus over it. It's just I I I think you're still a little ways away from that, but I think there's going to be some real good coups that where I think the level of market that they should probably be competing in is poaching top talents from like championship football, poaching some top young talents in in the French region and who, and again, it all depends on who they hire, but the people hiring these people, um, it has to be talked about is ownership. So we were talking about it a little bit in the DMS prior to, to that, uh, the recording today. And we were kind of both talking and we're just like, listen, man, if I were you, I'd be over the moon. If I was a Newcastle fan, every Newcastle fan should be over the moon. I don't think there's any reason not to be. And I know all these people are bringing up like, well, you know, like ethically, this isn't that great. I was like, all right, then point to one billionaire owner in any sport that you want to point to and be like, this guy, you know, he's a great fucking dude, man, or or, or group <laughs> or whatever. Like, can't get out of here. There's, no, let's be serious here. Morals have been out the window for God knows how long. Right. And, and and like if we weren't stopping the support of these World Cup qualifiers and what's happening in Qatar next November, then why are we going to get mad at Newcastle fans for a takeover of, of a team there? There's been tons of unethical American owners, um, white ownerships, European ownerships, Russian ownerships. And like you go anywhere you want. Any ownership that comes back with billionaire owners, you're not going to like it. And that's just the direction of the sport. It's been so far gone for so long, but people just kind of try and bring it back up all the time. And it's just like, come on now, like, let's let's stop the silliness. Let's not rain on Newcastle's parade. How do you actually feel about this? Because I know you already kind of touched on it with me, but. I mean, like, explain it within speaking terms now, because, yeah, like, what what are you gonna do? Stop rooting for the club all of a sudden? Like, you you wanted something like this, so you can't stop now. And it's not like uh, Mike Ashley was this great stand-up guy, and and the guy's not even close to the wealth like this. So, I mean, you tell me.
1: Yeah, I, I think like for, as an American following Newcastle, it's definitely for me. It's it, I think it's easier for me to be more critical of of owners because like the club does not doesn't affect my daily life like i like we we on our site we have some writers who are from newcastle and like that is literally the entire like that is their life that's the it's the center of the community like everything revolves around that team and that club and that that city like revolves around same same is literally the middle of the city um and so it's like like forever for these fans like they live and die by newcastle so they have a right to celebrate um and you know, my personal belief is that one, um, every billionaire is is corrupt. There's no such thing as a a good billionaire. Um, we, we joked about, um, on our podcast, when this was first happening, uh, like when Mike Ashley was going to sell the team, we're like, Oh, you know, we joke about Jeff Bezos buying the team. And it's like, yeah, Jeff Bezos, you know, they're like, you know, basically a day's worth of, of, of revenue for him could buy Newcastle. And it's like, yeah, Jeff Bezos isn't a stand-up guy either. Like, like mm. so it's, uh, it's like he's got he's got technically like human rights violations with how he's work how he how his workers are being treated in their warehouses. And so, I mean, there's a lot of, of talk about this. And honestly, for me, I think it's important uh, to one try to separate the club from the ownership because realistically, as a fan, we can't control owns the club. And if we could, Mike Ashley wouldn't have been the owner at Newcastle for 14 seasons. And believe me, they've tried. Uh, There's there's legitimately nothing fans can do to to affect ownership. I mean, you can try to force an owner out. But at the end of the day, it's that owner's decision to sell, et cetera, et cetera. So there's nothing that we can do. We can't hold the Saudi Arabian government accountable for anything. But what we can do as fans is like you don't need to openly support a, a regime that has like human rights violations, et cetera, et cetera. So um unaccepting of our of the lgbtq community um and so i draw the line of like i'm going to support the club but i'm not going to be someone who's putting saudi flags in my twitter name or like <laughs> i'm not going to go around wearing like like Saudi like i'm not going to go around wearing like like dressing up like a saudi Arabian prince like that's that to me is like where you got to draw the line as a fan because at that point it's like are you supporting the club or are you supporting the regime or like like and that's where i i think it gets a little dicey and again, I personally, like, like you said, I kind of, I really don't care because I separate owners from the, from the team I, I, mm-hmm. as a whole. And for that reason, like I will always support Newcastle and Newcastle only, only, and I will appreciate what ownership does for the team and for the city and, and, and for, you know, the sport as a whole, but you will not find me with some Saudi flags in my name because I don't <laughs> support the, I don't support the actions of, of the Saudi regime. So Um, It'll be interesting to see how things go forward because they've already done a really good job sort of um, like trying to separate like the Saudi part from the team by basically making the figureheads Amanda Stavely and and Jamie Rubin. Um, And so like those are majority of what people are going to see on match days. Uh, It's going to be those those people. Those are going to be people running the day to day Mm -hmm. operations of the club. Those are going to be people commenting to the press. So you've already started to see kind of how they're how the Saudi regime is going to kind of step away from Newcastle and treat it more as just an investment the way they have done with everything else, with their deals with WWE, Disney, et cetera, et cetera. To them, this is an investment. Um, and so yeah, those are my – that's my quick thoughts.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, again, I, I think you're right because what are you going to do? If, like, if there's people representing – the club, it's 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 one thing, but they don't represent your views. Just like the government, almost all the time, and not to even get political, they don't always necessarily represent your views either. And and the same with like the players. The fact is this: you're rooting for a football team, and and you want them to be the best that they could possibly be. And to be quite honest with you, why wouldn't you want your team to eventually, like you know, be one of the best teams potentially competing for league titles and even in the champions league. And there's only one path for it today in sports. And everyone knows that. And, and anyone who, who doesn't agree with that, like you're just lying to yourself, because at the end of the day, it takes a lot of financial backing. It takes a lot of consistency and competency to get to that point. And, and anyone who disagrees with that is just lying to themselves. Yeah, of course we'd love to live in a world where we could get a super fan that does fantastic and, in their personal life and and buys a club for an X amount of money and they put into it and you know they're stand up guys, charitable people, like that's just not gonna happen. Like that's it's unrealistic. It's just not the way things go. But what you can hope for is something like this and and hope that turns around and listen, there's a finite amount of people anyways that you could depend upon and 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 try and get that too, right? Like even in perfect example, I'm a Jets fan and we talked about this. Like Who the fuck is going to buy the Jets? Like, you're talking about almost $3 billion worth of a club here, and it's kind of like, all right, what are my options? Very limited, very limited, probably not even 10 people that I could think of. And if it is people, it's going to be a group at that point because they have to come up with the funds themselves. And it's kind of like, well, man, like, listen, chances are anyone who could afford a team for $3 billion and have more money to spare at the end of the day is probably not going to be a great guy. So, but or or woman or whoever the the hell it could be, that's the point though, and and it's just a fallacy and just a, a damn right lie that anyone just tries to come out and say, well, yeah, you know, like we could get this guy in person, and they could turn it around, and we will, we'll, you know, we'll be like the Red Cross of football club. No, you're not. It's just, come on, man, you're gonna have to spend a lot of money. People are gonna hate you guys for it. But at the end of the day, the game's the game. They didn't. They didn't create the game. They're just playing by the rules that are out there. And at the end of the day, I think it's so awesome for a club like Newcastle, because again, not to rip clubs like PSG or city, but this just feels like a more authentic team, a team that like, you know, it's like a rich person winning the lottery sometimes with like, you know, like a PSG or like something like that. Like if, ac milan even an example of my club like if we got bought by the public investment firm like you know that's kind of like all right you know business as usual but this feels like you guys hit the lottery this is like charlie finding the golden ticket in in, in Willy wonka's back to like yes they deserve it give it to a fan base like that that consistently cares so much that hasn't gotten any winning at all they deserve something like this like so a fan like yourself deserves something like this because as you said all you know is incompetence You just want to have a chance. And now they have that chance. If I were to ask you, in the next 10 years, will Newcastle win a Premier League title? What is your answer to that?
1: You said in the next 10 years, will Newcastle win? So,
0: like, by the time it's 2031, we come back here. You might have a couple kids at this point. Who knows where we'll be in our lives, right? 2031, will Newcastle have won a title by
1: a premier league title i would i would hope so um (laughs) i mean yeah at least one i i i think yeah i think that's 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 a fair ask within 10 years to win one title um i yeah i feel like that that could definitely happen um it would be great it'd be a lot of fun um but again it, it starts it starts with with what they do now it's a lot the next couple of of months are so pivotal. it's like well, once you get infrastructure in place, once you have a system in place like the stuff doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. I think people remember man City, but people don't remember like when man City was bought and the fact they didn't immediately win in the prim. uh you know they were better, but it, you know it it takes time uh and so i, I you know I think it's it's about five to six years in my opinion before Newcastle legitimately become like a threat to even be close to contending. And I would hope, you know, after, you know, within five years after that, they've, they've, they've won the prem once. Then that's, that's my only expectation is, you know, one over the next 10 years. And I'd be happy to, honestly, I'd be happy to just like be able to see uh, log into Paramount plus and see (laughs) a Newcastle (laughs) like in Europa league or something like, I mean, it's just, like you say that, like you know, a a a fan base that deserves it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, like there's so many fans who, of course, yeah. but before I was born, I mean, you were following Newcastle, and there was a time where Newcastle literally broke the transfer record for Alan Shearer. Like Newcastle used to be an ambitious club. They were playing in Europe. They were playing the mm. Barcelonas of the world. They were they were Premier League contenders every season. And you hear about these classic batches and. Then, you know, the, unfortunately, like the club went into debt and Mike Ashley came in and came as his savior, was drinking beers with the fans and got the team, the club out of debt. And then it just went downhill from there. And that's unfortunately when I started following the club. And so mm-hmm. like you hear about how great it was and you hear the fans complaining about like, you know, it used to be better than this and we just want a team that tries. And so now it's nice to like actually for those fans at least get back to, all right, we're back to where where we belong. Back to being a, a contender. Back to making big money moves and all that good stuff, and and having legendary managers and having legendary players. And I think that's ultimately like you know what what the fans want. They just want a team that's competitive, a team that tries, and owners that care. And so, I don't know. That that's that's my thoughts on on that. All right, you're an Atlanta
0: sports fan. You you're a very starved fan in general. Um, mm-hmm. How old are you again? Twenty-four. Okay, twenty-four. A couple of years ago than me. So you haven't really seen a major championship in the major sports. You've seen yeah, Atlanta obviously, United win. Yeah.
1: It's it's
0: it's di- it's different. It's it's if you live in America, you'd understand. Like I obviously you understand, yeah. but just for even our listeners across the pond. Of all the teams you root for, is Newcastle, the Hawks, Braves, and Falcons, right? You're all Atlanta, all, all Atlanta sports, correct? Mhm. Okay.
1: And of course Syracuse sports as well. excuse yeah. You know, you know journalism. You you. you
0: you seen good final fours though. So like that's kind of if you that's get a close. national champion, yeah, it's like a final four is like up there. Yeah. My question to you is this. And I think I might know the answer but I could be wrong. Mm. Out of all those teams I I mentioned and you mentioned, who would you rather see win their major title first? oh that is that's actually really tough um i know i know because you haven't seen anything so it's
1: man um geez closest was
0: obviously the falcons i hate to bring up the game but yeah
1: yeah no that they were definitely the closest i think probably you know if you asked me two years ago i probably would have said them because i feel like matt matt ryan and julio jones like for all they did at the Falcons, like, they deserve a ring. Mm. But now Julio's gone, and, like, Matt, I mean, I'm fine with them, but, like, that kind of – I'm like, ah, whatever. Like, the, <laughs> so there's barely anyone left on the team that was, like, a part of that, like, formative years of the Falcons becoming contenders up into that point. So it's, like, whatever with them. Honestly, like, probably the Hawks. Um, Like, I, I knew mainly, it was going to be
0: the Hawks, man.
1: Mainly because Newcastle, like, I just – I honestly expect Newcastle just because, like you said, the state of, of football right now, it's like if you have money, you're going to contend. Yeah, so like, you, you know, you know it, there's
0: still a good chance for a long yeah, time. Like, them.
1: it's like it's a you know, classic like Liverpool thing where like Liverpool had money and they're always in the running. So, you're like, eventually, they're going like with the right players and a the manager, they're going to put it all together at some point. Like, they could fail nine times, but that 10th time, they're going to put it all together. And so, like, barring some sort of crazy disaster, uh, you know, like, you don't want anything like that to happen. I just expect Newcastle to win at least some sort of major trophy, whether even, like, Euro- I'm going to count Europa League. I'll count, like, Champions League. I'll I'll lump all of those together as, like, one major trophy. I think that'll happen. I just – I like watching the Hawks, and that's, like, legit probably the first team I was ever, like, a fan of. Like, I went to my mm-hmm. first Hawks game, like, when I was super young. They were wearing, like – ugly yellow uniforms and like it was like josh smith and josh childress and they were Oof. absolute garbage and so like it's that's that's like my ride or die team so i'd love to see them win something um that'd be that'd be uh that would probably be number one and honestly next on that list is probably newcastle and then probably like the braves and the falcons then like syracuse it's probably that that order syracuse is just like you you set your expectations so it's like they're not a they're not a blue chip program anymore, basketball wise, and they're not at all anywhere. They're football wise. So like if Syracuse won a championship of any kind in my lifetime, I'd be legitimately shocked. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that'd that be it. It'd be Hawks and probably Newcastle and and the Braves are, are, are right behind them there.
0: Right. Well, you know, it's it's tough for me because I'm a, know, probably nobody wants to hear the Milan stuff, but I would pick the American sports teams over them because I've already seen it. I've seen the heights, but yeah. obviously I want to see another one because it, like it just as the years go by and you see like the competitive imbalance continue to grow with the Premier League, you kind of get worried you're never going to see it again. Mm. But I'll say this. I think a Champions League might be the thing. Like the Jets, I don't get. Like, dude, that's not going to happen. I just, I already have a bet with a friend of mine that I, I am going to pay him twenty grand by the time I'm if if by the time I'm forty years old. I'm currently twenty six, so the Jets may make it to a Super Bowl by the time I'm forty. I owe my friend twenty grand, and if they don't, he owes me nothing. I'm just right. That's it. there's a, there's a, like that's that's how little hope I have. Um, Mets is totally different. That's I I want that probably more than anything. But yeah, I mean, again, changing of times. Newcastle fans be cautiously optimistic. Don't get too overeager with what's about to happen because again, ownership it takes a couple of years. We even saw it with City, um, PSG to an extent. It was a little different with what was going on with that league. It's just Manchester City building up and trying to supplant some of the clubs that were in the league is a lot harder than what was going on in the Ligue 1, and no disrespect to that league. But yeah, I think if you can get back into European competition, not at even at the end of next season, say aim for, um, 20, 24 season, then you're kind of looking in the good direction. Um, any other final thoughts or anything you could say you guys you think you guys stay up this season?
1: I mean, I genuinely do. Um, mainly because you can, if you watch them play, you can tell that like the person managing the team has no like. There's no like. Steve Bruce doesn't make adjustments. He doesn't change formation. He makes terrible subs. There's plenty of points last season where Steve Bruce would not make his first sub until like the 83rd minute, something like that. So like, when you have that level of incompetency, you expect that like literally anyone else with the same players could get more out of them. So I I, and I genuinely think like this is a, a squad that's good enough to stay up or good enough to at least be like mid-table. Some mm. like I think they're good enough to to stay up. Like I, I just think they are. Um, I think a lot of players are just being just grossly misused. Um, and it really for, for them it is about health. Um, if Callum Wilson can stay healthy, if Alan St. Maxman can stay healthy, you kind of saw that's what happened at the end of last season. Both of those guys were healthy, Miguel Umland was healthy and the team was scoring goals and looking good while doing it. And so you, if those guys can remain healthy, you can add some supporting pieces. Uh, Joe Willick was a big ad in January. If you can get him back to where he was before, it's tough to see this team go down, even though it looks dire right now. But again, if you get in a, a, a manager that has any competence at all and then give that manager at least, you know, honestly you could give him like 50 mil to spend in January, and I think Newcastle would stay up
0: yeah i i think that's uh what's going to happen and especially considering where they could be at that point in time they might not even have a choice they're going to have to invest so much that it should potentially take them over the top but that'll pretty much wrap it up at this point because there isn't much left to talk about i mean super exciting time the information was great elijah uh As usual, if you just want to plug all your stuff for everybody, um, we already (laughs) got your Twitter and everything. We discussed the blogging that you do and you mentioned a podcast
1: um, as well. So
0: go ahead and let everyone know about all that (laughs)
1: stuff. Um, Yeah, the, the personals at Elijah underscore Newsome. Don't follow that account unless you want to hear about Atlanta sports. Martino knows it's a lot of I tweet way more about Atlanta sports and Syracuse sports from that account. It's true. You do. You do I yeah. can vouch that. That's true. Yeah. And uh, he it sucks for him because as a Mets fan, he just gets to see me like uh, live out the Braves' dreams in the playoffs. I
0: mean, listen, man. I've said this, and i got gotten in arguments with Braves fans. I've seen the Mets go to two more pennants than the Braves since the turn of the century. So, I mean, listen, the Mets <laughs> could be chumps. All they want, regular season posted. No one's a bigger choke artist in the postseason than the Atlanta Braves have been um, for a while, especially considering all those division titles. I just had to get that shot in there. But, I mean, listen, man. Well, hey,
1: It's fair. It's fair because, I mean, it it's it's Atlanta sports. It, look at any <laughs> team from the state of Georgia in the playoffs, in championships over the last 10, 10 12, 20 years. It's all the same. It's terrible. The, the SB Nation site's at Coming Home and UFC on Twitter. The podcast is at chn underscore podcast. We got two shows. One that's Newcastle focus. One that's a general Premier League pod. But yeah, check us out. I'm sure we we'll, We've already starting to get a lot of people following the accounts because uh, that's what happens when you're the richest club in the world. People, uh, people start to pay attention to your, uh, your terrible takes and inside jokes.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. No, no, trust me. Like we get back in the champions league. Then, then all these like supporters start coming out of nowhere. It's like, Oh, where the, <laughs> where the hell have you been these past years? Yeah. But no, go, go and follow all that stuff, guys. Um, listen, I tell people all the time. I tweet about it like others, you know, it's like so funny because the funniest part is like, whether or not I'm talking to a group of people, discussing you know american sports they tell me to go stick to soccer football i go talk about soccer football they're like go stick to uh the orange sport talking about basketball i'm just like all right make up your fucking <laughs> minds people like just because <laughs> like we could we could know multiple sports uh than once like you guys know rugby and, and football over there across the pond like oh my god it's you could know more than one topic but yeah definitely go follow elijah go follow pet at P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. He always likes to spell it out, so I'll do it for him as well. Uh, Santangelo as well, at Matt underscore Santangelo. Um, obviously, follow us on the State of Play pod, at State of Play pod. Follow me on Twitter, at Martino Puccio. You can obviously see all of the American sports stuff that I talk about as well. Um, Jets, you beat us good. We're, we're fucking horrendous. I can't say I'm surprised, but, yeah, you know how it goes. Um <laughs> Other than that, we're also a part of the ninety-minute football podcast network as well. So be sure to follow them. There goes the timer off, as usual. Getting it down right, there. You know, you know that's how that's how you learn it. Well, you go to Newhouse. You went to Newhouse, no?
1: No, I didn't. I went to yeah. I, I studied sport management at uh, at Syracuse. My background is all sport management and marketing. This was just like a side thing that I've turned out to love, and I and love that's it, so.
0: that's that's like that's like so amazing that's you're basically antonio gates then because you went to school for for basketball and then you turn out as an nfl player it's like yeah yeah yeah, man i could do that too i went for sports management look at me in media now and doing a great job um thank you boss obviously great to talk to you finally because i mean besides like you know group chat with roberto and everybody and uh, dms but other than that thank you elijah um everyone tune into the episode share it when it comes out um other than that listen to some Joaquin.